Section 5 of The Hungry Stones and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read for you by Chiquito Crasto. The Hungry Stones and Other Stories by Rabindranath Tagore. Translated by C.F. Andrews. My Lord, the Baby. One. Raicharan was twelve years old when he came as a servant to his master's house. He belonged to the same caste as his master, and was given his master's little son to nurse. As time went on, the boy left Raicharan's arms to go to school. From school he went on to college, and after college he entered the judicial service. Always, until he married, Raicharan was his sole attendant. But when a mistress came into the house, Raicharan found two masters instead of one. All his former influence passed to the new mistress. This was compensated for by a fresh arrival. Anukul had a son born to him, and Raicharan, by his unsparing attentions, soon got a complete hold over the child. He used to toss him up in his arms, call to him in absurd baby language, put his face close to the baby's, and draw it away again with a grin. Presently the child was able to crawl and cross the doorway. When Raicharan went to catch him, he would scream with mischievous laughter and make for safety. Raicharan was amazed at the profound skill and exact judgment the baby showed when pursued. He would say to his mistress with a look of awe and mystery, Your son will be a judge some day. New wonders came in their turn. When the baby began to toddle, that was to Raicharan an epoch in human history. When he called his father Baba and his mother Mama and Raicharan Channa, then Raicharan's ecstasy knew no bounds. He went out to tell the news to all the world. After a while, Raicharan was asked to show his ingenuity in other ways. He had, for instance, to play the part of a horse, holding the reins between his teeth and prancing with his feet. He had also to wrestle with his little charge, and if he could not, by a restless trick, fall on his back defeated at the end, a great outcry was certain. About this time, Anukul was transferred to a district on the banks of the Padma. On his way through Calcutta, he bought his son a little go-cart. He bought him also a yellow satin waistcoat, a gold-laced cap, and some gold bracelets and anklets. Raicharan was wont to take these out, and put them on his little charge with ceremonial pride whenever they went for a walk. Then came the rainy season, and day after day the rain poured down in torrents. The hungry river, like an enormous serpent, swallowed down terraces, villages, cornfields, and covered with its flood the tall grasses and wild casuarinas on the sandbanks. From time to time there was a deep thud as the river banks crumbled. The unceasing roar of the rain current could be heard from far away. Masses of foam carried swiftly past proved to the eye the swiftness of the stream. One afternoon the rain cleared. It was cloudy but cool and bright. Raicharan's little despot did not want to stay in on such a fine afternoon. His lordship climbed into the go-cart. Raicharan, between the shafts, dragged him slowly along till he reached the rice fields on the bank of the river. There was no one in the fields and no boat on the stream. Across the water, on the farther side, the clouds were rifted in the west. The silent ceremonial of the setting sun was revealed in all its glowing splendor. In the midst of that stillness, the child, all of a sudden, 
pointed with his finger in front of him and cried, Channal, pitti Close by on a mud flat stood a large kadamba tree in full flower. My lord, the baby looked at it with greedy eyes, and Raicharan knew his meaning. Only a short time before, he had made out of these very flower balls a small go-kart, and the child had been so entirely happy dragging it about with a string, that for the whole day Raicharan was not made to put on the reins at all. He was promoted from a horse into a groom. But Raicharan had no wish that evening to go splashing knee-deep through the mud to reach the flowers. So he quickly pointed his finger in the opposite direction, calling out, Oh, look, baby, look, look at the bird. And with all sorts of curious noises, he pushed the go-kart rapidly away from the tree. But a child, destined to be a judge, cannot be put off so easily. And besides, there was at the time nothing to attract his eyes, and you cannot keep up forever the pretense of an imaginary bird. The little master's mind was made up, and Raicharan was at his wit's end. Very well, baby, he said at last. You sit still in the cart, and I'll go and get you the pretty flower. Only mind you, don't go near the water. As he said this, he made his legs go bare to the knee, and waded through the oozing mud toward the tree. The moment Raicharan had gone, the little master went off at racing speed to the forbidden water. The baby saw the river rushing by, splashing and gurgling as it went. It seemed as though the disobedient wavelets themselves were running away from some greater Raicharan with the laughter of a thousand children. At the sight of their mischief, the heart of the human child grew excited and restless. He got down stealthily from the go-kart and toddled off towards the river. On his way, he picked up a small stick and leant over the bank of the stream, pretending to fish. The mischievous fairies of the river, with their mysterious voices, seemed inviting him into their playhouse. Raicharan had plucked a handful of flowers from the tree, and was carrying them back in the end of his cloth, with his face wreathed in smiles. But when he reached the go-kart, there was no one there. He looked on all sides, and there was no one there. He looked back at the cart, and there was no one there. In that first terrible moment, his blood froze within him. Before his eyes, the whole universe swam round like a dark mist. From the depth of his broken heart, he gave one piercing cry. Master! Master! Little master! But no voice answered, Channa! No child laughed mischievously back. No scream of baby delight welcomed his return. Only the river ran on, with its splashing, gurgling noises before, as though it knew nothing at all, and had no time to attend to such a tiny human event as the death of a child. As the evening passed by, Raicharan's mistress became very anxious. She sent men out on all sides to search. They went with lanterns in their hands and reached at last the banks of the Padma. There they found Raicharan rushing up and down the fields like a stormy wind, shouting the cry of despair. Master! Master! Little master! When they got Raicharan home at last, he fell prostrate at his mistress's feet. They shook him and questioned him, and asked him repeatedly where he had left the child. But all he could say was that he knew nothing. Though everyone held the opinion that the Padma had swallowed the child, there was a lurking doubt left in the mind. For a band of gypsies had been noticed outside the village that afternoon, and some suspicion rested on them. The mother went so far in her wild grief to think it possible that Raicharan himself had stolen the child. She called him aside with piteous entreaty and said, Raicharan, give me back my baby. Oh, give me back my child. 
take from me any money you ask, but give me back my child. Raicharan only beat his forehead in reply. His mistress ordered him out of the house. Artukul tried to reason his wife out of this holy and just suspicion. Why on earth, he said, should he commit such a crime as that? The mother only replied, The baby had gold ornaments on his body. Who knows? It was impossible to reason with her after that. 2. Raicharan went back to his own village. Up to this time he had had no son, and there was no hope that any child would now be born to him. But it came about before the end of a year that his wife gave birth to a son and died. All overwhelming resentment at first grew up in Raicharan's heart at the sight of this new baby. At the back of his mind was resentful suspicion that it had come as a usurper in place of the little master. He also thought it would be a grave offence to be happy with a son of his own after what had happened to his master's little child. Indeed, if it had not been for a widowed sister who mothered the new baby, it would not have lived long. But a change gradually came over Raicharan's mind. A wonderful thing happened. This new baby, in turn, began to crawl about and cross the doorway with mischief in its face. It also showed an amusing cleverness in making its escape to safety. Its voice, its sounds of laughter and tears, its gestures were those of the little master. On some days when Raicharan listened to its crying, his heart suddenly began thumping wildly against his ribs, and it seemed to him that his former little master was crying somewhere in the unknown land of death because he had lost his channa. Failna, for that was the name Raicharan's sister gave to the new baby, soon began to talk. It learned to say Baba and Mama with a baby accent. When Raicharan heard those familiar sounds, the mystery suddenly became clear. The little master could not cast off the spell of his channa, and therefore he had been reborn in his own house. The arguments in favour of this were, to Raicharan, altogether beyond dispute. 1. The new baby was born soon after his little master's death. 2. His wife could never have accumulated such merit as to give birth to a son in middle age. 3. The new baby walked with a toddle and called out Baba and Mama. There was no sign lacking which marked out the future judge. Then suddenly Raicharan remembered the terrible accusation of the mother. Ah, he said to himself with amazement, the mother's heart was right. She knew I had stolen her child. When once he had come to this conclusion, he was filled with remorse for his past neglect. He now gave himself over, body and soul, to the new baby, and became its devoted attendant. He began to bring it up as if it were the son of a rich man. He bought a go-kart, a yellow satin waistcoat, and a gold-embroidered cap. He melted down the ornaments of his dead wife and made gold bangles and anklets. He refused to let the little child play with any one of the neighborhood and began himself its sole companion day and night. As the baby grew up to boyhood, he became so petted and spoiled and clad in such finery that the village children would call him your lordship and jeer at him and older people regarded Raicharan as unaccountably crazy about the child. At last the time came for the boy to go to school. Raicharan sold his small piece of land and went to Calcutta. There he got employment with great difficulty as a servant and sent Failna to school. He spared no pains to give him the best education, the best clothes, the best food. Meanwhile, he himself lived on a mere handful of rice and would say in secret, Ah, 
my little master, my dear little master, you loved me so much that you came back to my house. You shall never suffer from any neglect of mine. Twelve years passed in this manner. The boy was able to read and write well. He was bright and healthy and good-looking. He paid a great deal of attention to his personal appearance and was especially careful in parting his hair. He was inclined to extravagance and finery and spent money freely. He could never quite look on Raicharan as a father, because though fatherly in affection, he had the manner of a servant. And a further fault was this, that Raicharan kept secret from everyone that himself was the father of the child. The students of the hostel, where Filna was a boarder, were greatly amused by Raicharan's country manners, and I have to confess that behind his father's back, Filna joined in their fun. But in the bottom of their hearts, all the students loved the innocent and tender-hearted old man, and Filna was very fond of him also. But as I have said before, he loved him with a kind of condescension. Raicharan grew older and older, and his employer was continually finding fault with him for his incompetent work. He had been starving himself for the boy's sake, so he had grown physically weak and no longer up to his work. He would forget things, and his mind became dull and stupid. But his employer expected a full servant's work out of him, and would not brook excuses. The money that Raicharan had brought with him from the sale of his land was exhausted. The boy was continually grumbling about his clothes and asking for more money. Raicharan made up his mind. He gave up the situation where he was working as a servant, and left some money with Filna and said, I have some business to do home at my village and shall be back soon. He went off at once to Basarath, where Anukul was magistrate. Anukul's wife was still broken down with grief. She had had no other child. One day Anukul was resting after a long and weary day in court. His wife was buying at an exorbitant price a herb from a mendicant quack, which was said to ensure the birth of a child. The voice of greeting was heard in the courtyard. Anukul went out to see who was there. It was Raicharan. Anukul's heart was softened when he saw his old servant. He asked him many questions and offered to take him back into service. Raicharan smiled faintly and said in reply, I want to make obeisance to my mistress. Anukul went with Raicharan into his house, where the mistress did not receive him as warmly as his old master. Raicharan took no notice of this, but folded his hands and said, it was not the Padma that stole your baby. It was I. Anukul exclaimed, Great God! Eh? What? Where is he? Raicharan replied, He is with me. I will bring him the day after tomorrow. It was Sunday. There was no magistrate's court sitting. Both husband and wife were looking expectantly along the road, waiting from the early morning for Raicharan's appearance. At ten o'clock he came, leading Filna by the hand. Anukul's wife, without a question, took the boy into her lap and was wild with excitement, sometimes laughing, sometimes weeping, touching him, kissing his hair and his forehead, and gazing into his face with hungry, eager eyes. The boy was very good-looking and dressed like a gentleman's son. The heart of Anukul brimmed over with a sudden rush of affection. Nevertheless, the magistrate in him asked, "'Have you any proofs?' Raicharan said, How could there be any proof of such a deed? God alone knows that I stole your boy and no one else in the world. When Anukul saw how eagerly his wife was clinging to the boy, he realized the futility of asking for proofs. It would be wiser to believe, 
And then, where could an old man like Raicharan get such a boy from? And why should his faithful servant deceive him for nothing? But, he added severely, Raicharan, you must not stay here. Where shall I go, master? said Raicharan in a choking voice, folding his hands. I am old. Who will take in an old man as a servant? The mistress said, Let him stay. My child will be pleased. I forgive him. But Anukul's magisterial conscience would not allow him. No, he said. He cannot be forgiven what he has done. Raicharan bowed to the ground and clasped Anukul's feet. Master, he cried, let me stay. It was not I who did it. It was God. Anukul's conscience was worse stricken than ever when Raicharan tried to put the blame on God's shoulders. No, he said. I could not allow it. I cannot trust you any more. You have done an act of treachery. Raicharan rose to his feet and said, It was not I who did it. Who was it then? asked Anukul. Raicharan replied, It was my fate. But no educated man could take this for an excuse. Anukul remained obdurate. When Phailna saw that he was the wealthy magistrate's son and not Raicharan's, he was angry at first, thinking that he had been cheated all this time of his birthright. But seeing Raicharan in distress, he generously said to his father, Father, forgive him. Even if you don't let him live with us, let him have a small monthly pension. After hearing this, Raicharan did not utter another word. He looked for the last time in the face of his son. He made obeisance to his old master and mistress. Then he went out and was mingled with the numberless people of the world. At the end of the month, Anukul sent him some money to his village. But the money came back. There was no one there of the name of Raicharan. End of Section 5 Read for you by Chiquito Crasto, Birmingham, Alabama